This is Hacking the Afterlife podcast with Jennifer Schaefer. Ho, 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 Jennifer, how are you? <laughs> Merry Christmas, happy holidays. Oh, you're so sweet to say that. You know, here we are in Cyberland talking. Yeah. Ho. I got Santa over my shoulder keeping an eye on people. It is. So there's so much to talk about. First of all, for the audience, Richard sent me a card. Richard's card's on the way, but we picked the exact same card. Out of hundreds of thousands of cards you could pick from, you and I have the exact same card, just with a different color. Oh, how funny. How weird is that? Great minds think alike. I started laughing. I thought that was the funniest thing ever. So 21 years ago, (laughs) I gave my husband a Valentine's card that I like gave him way in advance. Like I picked it out, took my time. He, of course, now, because he buys them on the same day, picked up the same exact Valentine's card (laughs) that I did. Beautiful. Once, you know, it was very sweet. And I was laughing. I'm like, I love that you and I, out of all the Christmas cards, and I send, I've looked at my history, I send, I have, haven't sent one, I kind of feel like we should talk about it a little bit, since my dad passed. Like, yeah. it's been heartbreaking for me, because this, actually today, like, five years ago, six years ago, we found out my dad was dead, and then he died a month later, and so holiday, holidays bring such a you know, it's mixed. And what I really want to tell people is you can grieve and still be happy. And it's okay if you don't get your cards out. It's okay if you don't, like you're not Christmasy Christmas or whatever. I, this year, I had my whole house decorated by December 2nd. That never happens. I got my cards out, which hasn't happened since my dad passed. I have realized it's painful for people that miss their loved ones, but you need to like, actually I can say this because she listens to our podcast. She found our podcast, Jessica Alba. We're dear friends. <laughs> she is, she, I don't like, and you know, I, it was very sweet. She Googled um, somebody that we talked to and our podcast showed up on Spotify. A, I didn't know that we were on Spotify, so that was good. Found out that we were on Spotify. Cool. Um, she was so excited about it. She goes, Jennifer, it was so sweet. So she was very sweet this last weekend. She had um, a group of us come to her house, and she had a sound bath. Somebody do a sound bath and breath work. What's and a sound bath, by the way? It is a beautiful thing that energetically, if you can think of like how you told me how rain, the rain, you know, when my dad passed, you said, think of rain cleansing. Like think of the rainfall. Like you took me through this whole thing to talk to my dad. I'll never forget it. And that kind of came in. I did forget it. I'm sorry, but that's uh, brilliant. I love that I said that. You did say that. And so when a sound bath, you mentioned a sound bath, the sound bath that it's like cleaning your energy and it makes you feel so good. It's just that you just think of bathing in it like light. So does somebody, uh, does somebody, um, it's like frequencies. 
So no, but I mean, does somebody lead you through it? Is there somebody yeah. standing up? Does Jessica Alba, does she no, lead no, no, you through it? Or? No, no, no. She just had it. She's the person that got everybody there. Oh, I see. She's so sweet. She's so giving and so kind. I'm not just saying that. She really is. And she knows I'm reluctant because she's like, you don't receive. I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm like, I'm, I'm fine. During the breath work, I couldn't breathe. Who oh, does wow. breath work and can't breathe because of your heart? Because I'm so afraid of allowing, like, because of what I deal with when I deal with content, you know, I'm dealing with parents that don't have their children. I'm dealing with, you know, finding a missing body, finding somebody that's, so I've had the shield and she's seen it and she just laughs about it. She's like, I think you need your heart to me. <laughs> but I'm like, no, I don't. Open. Meanwhile, I'm choking over breath work. I can't breathe. And what I learned from that was the fact that I don't ask for help. Like, I just, I'm not somebody to ask for help. Well, you know, it's interesting also in terms of your dad. Bless his heart, Jim. We've been so fortunate to have him come and talk to us a few times. Um, you know, I wasn't really aware, even though I've known you for eight years, I really wasn't aware of that whole process. I, I know you told me. And then I, you know, I don't think we had seen each other for a while. And then when he would show up, you, I, even before he would, you would say anything, I could see the tears in your eyes and then you'd change the subject. You'd say, uh, you know, I, I feel like I, I, we need to change the subject. And at first I let that go. And then there was one day we were doing a session um, and the tears showed up and I said, is can we ask your dad is there any way that he can help us with grief and that forced you to ask him a question that you didn't know the answer to because clearly you were going through it yourself and we've mentioned it on the podcast he said try to move grief to nostalgia and i remember i said what does that mean and you looked at me and said i don't know what it means <laughs> and i thought okay well He's here, so can we ask him? Anyway, uh, it's happening again. I can see the tears. But, you know, your dad was so generous. He came and he said, grief is only sad memories. Nostalgia has both happy and sad memories. And if you can move grief to nostalgia, you begin the healing process. It's not a cure-all, but it begins. So if you can remember when they made you laugh. You can remember, especially around the holidays, I'd say to people, and we've talked about this, bring out a photograph, put a picture right. of Uncle so that, Pete. That, so that was what I was going to say. So Jessica was, and she doesn't mind me saying this. Um, she said to me, she she's like, bring out a photograph, bring out, like, get, she goes, you and Rich talked about it. She goes, bring out a chair for them to sit with you during the holidays. And, um, <clears throat> and, it was just like, I forget, of course, I love that everything's recorded, mm. but I forget we tell people that. And I just feel like, you know, I actually thought this month is going to be amazing and I'm not, I don't feel the grief, but now my mom's in the hospital. Oh, I'm sorry. It's okay. Um, she's better. She, she had a ventilator. Um, that was, now I'm getting another thing. Um, she's off the ventilator. They had to drain her lungs. She has congestive heart failure. Mm. And so at the same time, like, 
really at the same time we found out my dad had pancreatic cancer it felt like it just came right back you know right. everything came back everything came back and so i i want our audience to know everyone who misses someone it is okay to feel bad allow yourself to feel bad but also allow yourself to be happy at the same time we don't we feel like we can't do both yeah and I can grieve, but I can still, you know, go go out with friends that I want to see or with family. I can't wait to be with my family this weekend. I am so lucky. I have the most beautiful family that has been there for my mom. That's and, great. Yeah. And but you know, when you have one passing away and then somebody else that's sick, or you have another person passes away, it brings it just brings everything all up to for surface right right like everything and so i think a lot of people just need to know that you're loved from the other side they don't want you to feel like they don't want you sad they want you to be happy honor them the way that you can but also honor yourself like that's the one thing i've learned from jessica like i don't want to be i'm like what do you mean i have a heart issue <laughs> like she knows i'm like who what <laughs> but it was true I, d I don't, I'm afraid I'm going to break and it's okay to be broken a little bit. It's not wow. That's pretty profound. It's okay to be broken. It's okay to be Cause broken. you know what they say, the, when, when something's broken, that's where the light comes in. Hmm. You know, the cracks are is when light comes in. So you learn stuff. Can't learn anything. If it's all, everything's always good all the time. You can learn stuff, especially about your loved ones. You know, let's say that you set the table for them or you allow them to come into your awareness over the holidays. You toast them in present tense. And maybe you go around the room and ask somebody to tell a story about somebody who can't be there. That's always re re very revelatory because you hear stories about people you never heard before. Like your brother when we were at his memorial. Oh yeah, that my brother who passed away this this past year, and at the memorial, there were all these wonderful stories about him that I had never heard before. And you know, we just did it as a technique, sort of. Let's talk about my brother Jeff in present tense, because look, you and I know that he's there, that he's capable of hearing us. Everyone in the room didn't know that, but just telling a story about his journey or his life or silly things that he would say or do, I think I remember. Somebody t read a, a letter that some, one of my cousins had written and how when he was a young guy, my brother had shown up at his work and given him such uh, a thing of, you know, you're going to be great. I really appreciate what you're doing. You know, just keep going. And it would change his life, as he said. So I'd never heard that before. So that thing of, yeah. of asking, uh, asking your loved ones to come forward as well as asking people in the room to talk about them or to tell a story or let's you're raising a toast while you're saying the toast let's let's toast so and so in present tense is anybody got a good story about uncle pete or aunt betty and if everyone gets quiet you, you know it's time to, to get on to the toast right so right. well um, you know about this time every day every time every day uh, yeah, about every day. We ask our friend Luana Anders to come forward. She's our moderator on the flip side who helps us 
do this podcast, Lou. We're grateful for your presence. And does she want to bring anybody forward? I I think Jim might be here. Does Jim want to talk to us? Mm. <laughs> Sorry. It's okay. It's allowed. Another <clears throat> thank you. Another thing, when you're so close to something, and I have such PTSD from thinking I could save my dad, right? Yeah. And on Tuesday, I was actually touch and go with my mom. And we they didn't know if she was going to make it. And I, I got that, you know, initially I got that she would, but, you know, my mind will never trust it because of my dad passing one of the hardest, probably the hardest thing I've ever heard was my son <clears throat> telling me, he's like, I hope so many people, how could you not know that or grandpa had cancer? How could you not know? And <clears throat> he did it in a way. And I'm sorry, I'm. That's quite all right, Jennifer. I remember you telling me that sentence. <coughs> I have to apologize. I have a bad cough. I've had it for about a week and a half now. And it's really annoying because I'll pop a cough drop and then slurp all the way through. But you know, when we examine we examine our path and journey, I know that I know that you know. I but you know, the, look, the thing is when we talk about mediumship, I mean I talk about a, a lot on Quora. We talk about how you know, mediums, filters, their filters are altered. Everybody has filters on the brain that block out information that's not conducive to survival. That could include being aware of things that are about to occur that would stop you from living your life or doing the work you're doing. And it's almost like on the flip side, they're aware of what's going on. Your higher self is aware of what's going on. And will block that information, even from mediums who see everything or see or experience much. We're not supposed to know everything. Otherwise, yes, we because lottery numbers. And people always say that, like, I'm like, it's interpretation. So they're not giving you, like, it's numbers. It can be skewed, but whatever. But another thing that was very powerful, too, with all of this, like, I told some, I mentioned that my mom was in the hospital and a very sweet friend of mine, Uni. She's like, I'll pray for her. I pray for everyone at 6 a.m. I will pray for her. I'll put her on a prayer list. The power of prayer collectively. It's not, I know there was a lot of people praying for my dad, but the power of prayer is so big. It's such a big thing, that energy of, of sending, however prayer looks, whether it's chanting, whether it's praying, whether it's however it looks, you know, it's, it, ties in with faith and hope it doesn't mean you know i look at god in the sky but i see santa claus behind you it's kind of the same thing <laughs> um it's i feel like you know when like when luana came in she just said everything's gonna be okay and that's when oh, i oh that okay. thank you lou i appreciate that with however it looks you know and it's, oh, well, yeah, there's that. Every, you know, when sometimes when they come forward and they give you, look, I just interrupted you and somebody complained that I interrupt you all the time, but that's my job. No, 
Um, but that idea of them coming forth and saying everything is going to be okay, it's a very profound statement because it doesn't mean, you know, difficult things won't happen. It means yeah. that you've got to remember that the path eventually, everything's going to be okay. Everyone goes home. Everyone, when they get home, everyone, all of us. And when we get home, we realize why we were on the path and the journey. Cat. That's a cat agreeing with me. But, but not just that, because I was just, I took a screenshot as I was typing to you, Robert Town called. And I was I just, that. before you, before you said this, the cat just confirmed it. You need to talk about animals. Animals go through what you go through in life, Right. They are with you. They are, they're, they're meant to be, you know, they're just as much, even if you don't have children, which sometimes I'm envious, but even if you don't have children and you have animals put like celebrate them as well over the holidays. Cause I know how hard, how challenging it is as well. Like, I'm sure the reason why Robert called me, he misses Hyra. Hyra right. in the afterlife. Right. No. For those people who aren't aware of the podcast so much, Hyra is the only dog that's been nominated for an Oscar as a screenwriter. The movie Greystoke, Robert used his name as a pseudonym. And Robert Town, the, the guy who wrote Chinatown, I worked for him for a number of years. When we And I was telling him about this research, and he was a typical skeptical person, was like, oh, yeah, sure. And so I said, yeah. well, let's try it with Jennifer. And he did. And his dog, Hyra, came through. Claire Isabel talked about things that only Hyra could know and proved to Robert beyond a shadow of doubt for him that Hyra still exists. So today, I because he called me right after he called you, I was telling him about our, we, our podcast a couple of weeks ago where we spoke to Queen Elizabeth, Princess Diana, and Hyra. Hyra came through and just wanted us to remind Robert that he's always with him. And Robert said to me today, I, you know, I wish I could see him or hear him. And I said, well, you know, before you go to sleep at night, imagine him sitting with you or imagine walking with him in the woods or, or somewhere in the grass and allow that to be your state of being. And perhaps the dream will pick up from there and you go forward. And that's a way of connecting to everyone that's not on the planet is before you go to sleep invite them to have a conversation yeah. and you wake up the next day or, you know write it down or come on our podcast so lou what I lou, just ran through <laughs> ran through the room Arf. um so luana is there mm -hmm. anybody on your guest list your vip list that we're going Guys, that she always comes through with dreams for you, and she wants. It. Did you do like a past life thing where you felt like you did a past life thing in your sleep last night? I had a, I have had some pretty oh, unusual. Was... Yeah, I you know it's funny because of, she... you know just as as the dream is ending, I was thinking to myself, oh, this might be for the podcast, but then I can't remember <laughs> who I was talking okay, so to or what it was about. She's gonna help. She's gonna help you remember. Okay. Um, so Luana, was I with some person last it night? Was like, it was almost like a movie, like the not the Grinch. 
Um, hold on. A movie like The Grinch or not like The Grinch? No, like like I'm being shown. Okay, who's okay? You have to show me. Who's the one that wrote about um? What is his name? Sorry. Well, give me the image. I'm getting the image of me in London going to his house. Oh, um, Charles Dickens. That's it. Sorry. Thank you. Um, Santa, right over my shoulder. We did have a conversation with Charles Dickens, which I'm sure Jennifer doesn't remember. No, I don't, because I don't even remember well, his name. Well, Luana, is that who wants to come and talk to us today? Yeah. Okay, so. very good. Let's not judge it. Um, and by let's, I mean everybody listening in from across the planet who's rolling their eyes or driving off the road. So, Mr. Dickens, would you mind taking a seat with our class today? I know we've talked before. First, sir, what is it you want to say? I have questions for you, but go ahead. What do you want to say? Christmas is an emotional time. That's why I wrote about it. He's showing me like it brings every feeling and emotion of possibilities. Because when you're a kid, you're like, oh my God, you know, think about when you're a kid, like you get Christmas gifts. Well, and also, also, I understand what he's saying. It brings everything. I interrupted you again. Sorry. But I just want to ask him. <laughs> Is he is he referring to also the uh, diaspora of Christmas in terms of money, in terms of how there are wealthy people who celebrate it in a certain level, and then those are impoverished, the servants? Okay, so he showed me that because I told my kids this year, I said, you're 18, you're 20. You need, we're not, your gifts need to go to a family in need. Mm. So... I want you guys to pick charities. We'll do it in your name, but we're going to donate what we'd normally, you guys get, you guys never go without, you get everything you want all year round. We're going to the Bahamas next week. Like you're very fortunate. And I'm like, I'm one of seven children. And my dad still every year we would donate to a family that was, that didn't have anything. <clears throat> and we, oh, sweet. and I'm like, I can't, I'm like, we did that when they were younger for, through their school or whatever. But yeah, so talking about that, and I'm not, and listen, we came to an agreement. They're giving half of their presents away. Very good. Negotiate. Negotiate. So, Charles, uh, Charles, I think just something about your work that is underappreciated. I know that you were very, you wrote politically about the people of the era, the politicians, the people who took money from the poor. I know that you were, you grew up on a street or lived near one of those workhouses, they were called. We call them poor houses where impoverished people would die of starvation. Literally, children that were orphans were put into these Victorian blocks of homes. Tony Stockwell. Tony Stockwell, yeah. That, and in the book, Architecture of the Afterlife, he recalled a lifetime living in right. that era and dying from starvation. But it reminded me, of course, of Oliver Twist. But 
and in this tale, let's just talk about the, the most famous story, which I know that people would line up at the docks for when the ships would drop off the magazine because he wrote Christmas Carol in installments. So people would go down to the docks in Boston, different cities, wait in line like a mile long to get the next issue. Most, most people don't know that about him. And he went to visit somebody that I'm a fan of, Washington Irving, who had written ghost stories, the first ghost story writer in American history. He wrote The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. And Dickens went to visit him. Now, let me ask you, Charles, do you remember doing that? Or is that? Vividly, he says. Say again? He said vividly. Vividly. Now, uh, and let me ask you a silly question, if you don't mind, sir. Uh, Washington Irving had an uncle who lived in his home. He lived in the living room, and he brought his family to live at Irving's because there was like a depression going on. So he had like 10 children in this home. It's one home on the Hudson. Do you recall the name of this uncle? His first name was quite unique, and it's related to Christmas Carol. I don't know. Like you say Bob's your uncle. Bob's your uncle. Yeah, his name is Bob. Uh, Ebenezer was his name. I would not have ever. You would, well, you know, I, I figured he, he may have remembered that. I don't know. So I was wondering if Ebenezer Scrooge because Washington Irving's uncle was a banker who lived in, it was like a curmudgeon who lived in the house. I thought, hmm, I wonder if that's a... So who was Ebenezer Scrooge in your world when you created him as a writer? Who was that? Just show Jennifer an image of somebody, somebody you knew, or was it just an amalgam? Not like his dad. More related to your father. Kind of curmudgeonly, is that correct? Yeah. Okay. Someone That's allowed. That, but what? hold on. He's saying it was related to his father, but his father, but it was connected to his dad. So it was connected to his dad and it felt like politics. So it felt like it was like I'm being shown the presidency, like something about that. Yeah. And so there were politicians in London who were, you know, taking money away from the poor or, right, okay. you know, right, right. You said the royalty, the royal family, that yeah. sort of thing. Because <clears throat> he was he was really about and, you know, industrialism had taken over England at the time. And, and like some other writers felt that that was destroying humanity in a way, let's say. Um, it, is that true in your book, uh, A Tale of Two Cities? What's an image you can put in Jennifer's mind when I say that? He just put a big gate up. Like he put a huge gate, like keeping people out, like a big, one of those big gates that, you know, like the palace. Yeah. Um, or like uh, Citizen Kane, you know, Xanadu. There's a big, huge gate between the people and then the royalty, the people trying to get into the, is that what you're talking about? Yeah, because it feels dark, hold on. Okay, hold on, give me a second. Sure. It just felt like everything that had to do with the depression. 
Okay, very good. And there was a depression, a financial depression in London while he was writing A Christmas Carol. Let me ask you this, and Jennifer and I are aware that this is a possibility. Are you aware, uh, Jennifer, have you seen the film um, Spirited? Okay. Yes. Me, yes. You have. Okay. Very good. You and have I seen love, it. You know I'm obsessed with Ryan Reynolds. It's an unhealthy relationship that I have. You did mention so. that. You did. You told us to go see it, and I did. And I loved it, too. I thought it was I great. I loved it. People either loved it <clears throat> loved it. Well, they let's ask Charles. Opinion, please. Inspired it. He what? says he says that he inspired it somehow. I know you inspired it. Hello. But what did you think of the movie? That have you seen it? I don't it? like singing. He doesn't like singing. Musicals. Okay. That's funny. Is he kidding? Is he teasing? Or is he just being honest? He's totally kidding. He said Will Ferrell had a huge like he showed me he had like big pants to fill for this role. Like it was a big thing. And he says that he did it ex like he's like excellently it was excellently done. Very good. Because you know, Jack Nicholson, I think, had played him. Uh Bill Murray had played him. I'm sorry, no. Um quite a few actors have played his role. And to give Will Farrell that kind of credit. Yeah. He said that Will Farrell was able to connect with so many different audience levels, like so many different, you know, age groups, I guess, with that. It wasn't just, I don't know. Hold on. He did an excellent job, he says. And in terms of the story of how it works out with Tiny Tim, I mean, there is something in that film. That's hilarious about the whole Tiny Tim thing. Well, in this version of it, mm -hmm. they had some fun with the idea of the cliche that it has become where, you know, they're trying to fix Tiny Tim. And, you know, the whole idea is that a few money, some money, you know, and a Christmas turkey is going to fix the kid's life. <laughs> but so what was it like for you to have that kind of acclaim in your career? Because people went nuts for this story. Was that satisfying? He just took what he saw and made it come to life, he says. Very good. It was sad. He said sadness. He so, was, you can't change. Yeah. Hold on. Wait, give me one Go ahead. Sorry. You can't, you can't change the outcome, but you can change what you do within it. So, like, he, thank you. He's saying, like, during the Depression, so the Depression's happening. You might you can't change the depression, but you can change how you go above it or how you help people within it, and that's why you know like with me he showed me you know with what I told my kids I'm like listen, we're gonna give for Christmas. This is what Christmas is about. I don't want you to think it's just receiving. You guys need to know that we there's so many families that need help, right? Sure. Or so many charities or whatever. Um, He's like, it's how you handle it. And like, and then it, I was showing my dad, like my dad, we didn't, you know, he had seven children, but we still managed to give families that didn't have as much as we did. You just do it. You do what you can. It doesn't mean you have to give things. You might give them your time. You might give them a phone call, like an elderly parent, a phone call. You might 
go visit an aunt that hasn't been visited or whatever it is, or go to a dog shelter or an animal shelter, you know, um, and walk the animals because, you know, no one's there to walk them. So if you go to an animal shelter of abandoned pets, they'll let you walk that dog. And so you have a little bond between you and this animal that's going to go back there. But you're right. just given a little of your time and self to let them know that somebody cares. He believes that he changed the way people did things because of that story. Say that again, please. He believes by bringing truth out in that story, he was able to change a lot of hearts within. And still to this day, because, yeah. you know, I think it's one of the most remade films and, you know, stories in history. Um, let me ask you, when you crossed over, who was there to greet you? Oh, it feels like a child of his. I don't. As you know, I don't know. I, I don't know. But uh, a child who had passed away? Somebody that had, like, I'm feeling like the ears. Who were you surprised to see when you crossed over? Stop. Oh, my gosh. He's so, he's so funny. He's like my unicorn. <laughs> what does he mean by that? I don't know. Hold on. Unicorns are real. <laughs> well, do they exist outside of our planet? They they could exist in another in another realm. Mm -hmm. So when you say my unicorn, was this a unicorn you had met or seen before? It was my dog when I was here, but it was a unicorn somewhere else. On the flip side. Ah, interesting. So his dog didn't show up as a dog. Showed up as but a unicorn. But yeah, but he knew it was his dog. He was able to recognize him. Let me ask you. Oh, go ahead. No, I have the chills. I love that. It's brilliant. Um, so, were you? Did you have you seen Washington Irving? Of course, we're right. We're writing together. He says. All right, and so let me ask you, Charles. You know that I'm that I'm working on a Washington Irving story. Is this something I should continue? Well, Jennifer doesn't, but you do, Charles, and that's Washington why he, does. That's why he said he was here. That's to, why he to, encur to encourage me or to discourage me? To encourage you. <laughs> you never know. He could have said, he could, they could be saying, you know, drop say, that. Like, right. But what's interesting is that, um, now it makes sense why he came through, but he says that that was part of your dream. You had a dream. That was. Oh, okay. It's very possible. I could have, but it's very possible because I've been thinking about it lately. It's something that I uh, pitched to a movie studio and they bought it. And then things changed. The people in the studio left. So it's sort of back in my lap. I, you know, so I'm, I, you know, listen, what an unusual way to have a story conference. Charles Dickens is in the room. So let me ask you, Charles, no music in this one? Is that what you're saying? Or music is okay? Oh, music is great. It music is great. Well. I swear to God, if I had my thing, I could show you, I could show you in my calendar this morning looking at a note that is about a dream. Okay.
you can't really read that, but it says, Dream, make this story by Washington Irving a musical. I win. <laughs> I saw that this morning, um, and I was like, oh, yeah, I made that note. The heck does that mean? <coughs> I've <Richard>. got <coughs> Sorry, my cough. I know. Here. No, I've no, I've cough I've cough syrup. You need drugs. Go need ahead. You're up. Go ahead. Okay, I'm up. I just love the fact that it came full circle. They talked about your dream. They talked about what you're and then you at the end of our conversation with Charles Dickens, he showed me in London. I'm like, but I didn't know, you know, that's the only way they could show me. Um and now they're very excited about what you're doing. Wow, that's Wow, yeah. what a thing to hear. Um, how much more time do I have with you, Jennifer? Not much. Okay. So, Charles, let's talk about your journey now. Have you come back to the planet since then? Hell no. <laughs> and why not, pray tell? Hold on. He says there's a part of me that's there. Oh, and what percentage, if you don't mind me asking? Stop. Hold on. Okay, just remind me to tell you what he showed me. Just naughty? Something naughty? Is that what you're saying? No, but I just don't want to say it on there. Oh, okay. It's all right. That's allowed. You know, we don't mind. Um, Charles, what do you want to tell people about their holiday season, please? Love. Love yourself. <laughs> Stop it's with Jessica Alba. You don't receive love. Love yourself and find a space for people that are here, that are over there, that just need to be heard. Like he said, lend an ear. You know, Christmas cards are great because it's something that you think, I still cannot believe we have the same Christmas card. That is too funny. And, and by the way, let me just, Charles, if you don't mind. Hold on, I got a shot. Okay. Oh my God, it's the same card. That's hilarious. It's identical. It's identical. Okay. Of course, that is Shutterfly. We picked the same pattern, but still. Thousands of different patterns. That's nutty. That is nutty. It's I thought nutty. I thought you were kind of like kidding, but now no. you're not. It's identical. Um, oh, wait a minute. Do I have it? No, I don't have it. Shares everything. I've sent mine out. I would show it if I could. Um, let me ask Luana. So Luana, I got to mention this because you were the best, uh, Christmas card giver I've ever met in my life. And I got a email from my brother. Can you see that? A little bit, but not really. Cause you're, see? Oh. yes. All That's right. Your it's the same card, but it's backwards. There you go. Anyway. Um, my brother sent me an email the other day and Luana had sent my brother, Robbie, a baseball bat, a Louisville slugger with his name engraved on it. And my brother, who was a baseball freak and a fan his whole life, couldn't believe that she had done that. Somehow she had figured out how to call the guys who make baseball bats, a Louisville slugger, and had his name engraved on a bat like it was his own model. And he just sent it to me the other day. He was like, 
I just remembered this is the greatest gift I've ever gotten in my life. And he said, I don't know how Luana knew baseball was so important to me. But so, Lou, do you want to say anything about that? She said that you just do what you do. And she she knew that he would love it. And she, it's because she loved you. And what was also very sweet, she just showed me this. So I've been watching movies. Uh -huh. with I'm like, we're going to watch all the old school movies that probably could never get made today. Like 16 Candles. Oh. Hell. But we've talked to the person that wrote 16 Candles. Isn't your, don't you have a relative that's married to some, like, my, my brother, Robbie, who's baseball bat, his wife was best friends with John Hughes and his wife, oh, Nancy Hughes. And, and she was with him when he, when he passed away in New York City. Her and her daughter, who was so working as assistant. Up, that came up today. Any John Hughes movie we're watching, because I love, but I'm, and I'm like, wait, like I've talked to him before. Uh, yeah, that's right. Planes and Trains and Automobiles. That's one of his movies, too. Too. So yeah, a prolific artist, John Hughes. Bless his heart. We miss him. And of course, I went to high, you know, he was he went to school with my brother, and I went to school with one of the Buellers, the younger Stop brother of the it. Ditch King. Yeah, uh it wasn't it, yeah, it was AC Bueller was the guy that I went to school with, and he was the brother of the famous Ditch King, the guy who always got out of school and got away with it. You know, it was a documentary. It was not it's not a just a comedy film because that is the story. Bueller. All right, um, Jennifer, tell me. I know we. I have to go, but first, let's tell you that we love you. We love that Jim comes through. We hope your mom recovers fully because she has a lot more laughs to give, and I'd love to see her. I haven't seen her in a blue moon. She's so adorable. She just loves, like her daughter. Please listen to all your books. Like I send all my clients your book. Like I love your books. I love what you've done. Someone actually mentioned that we need to put all our podcasts in a book. That's funny. Yeah, it's like, you know, okay, but they're here. They're online. You can find them. You know, you can just click on them. Anyways, thank you so much for your gifts. And thank you so much for bringing Charles Dickens together with our listeners today. What an unusual podcast and very apropos for the holiday season. And for those out there tuning in who are suffering from a loss of a loved one, listen to what Jennifer was trying to say. Love yourself first, then speak to them in present tense. Allow them to come forward and tease you and have some fun with you while you're honoring them over the holiday season. We love you. Love you too. Love you lots. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Happy Hanukkah. Kwanzaa. I mean, Kwanzaa. Happy Hamana. Happy Hamana. 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 All right. Very good. Love you. Bye. This has been Hacking the Afterlife podcast with Jennifer Schaefer. For more information, jenniferschaefer.com, martinizone.com, or richmartini.com. Hacking the Afterlife documentary is available on Gaia.com via Amazon Prime.